The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with April J. Ford. April has faced adversity in her life, such as childhood sexual abuse and becoming a widow and a single parent at 32. Through all of her challenges, she has managed to rise above them and conquer her life. She'll help you to do the same. Now, here is your host, April Ford. Welcome, I'm April Joy Ford, the voice of You're Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. And on behalf of my guests this week, we'd like to say hello to all of our listeners online, listening to us globally. I always like to see the list on who's on the listening board, just to name a few cities, regions, and state. We've got Canada, Thailand, Hong Kong, Japan, Brazil, Dubai, Australia, and some of the cities here in the United States, we've got Dallas, Atlanta, Phoenix, Kingston, Cherry Hill, Los Angeles, Boston, and South Hill. So each listener is a life, and each life does matter. I know you guys are seeking answers and solutions to your challenges and setbacks, seeking the truth and tools to get empowered. And I want you guys to know that you are not alone and that there is hope. You could still experience joy by finding the golden blessings I've shared on the show, the four steps that have helped me and others. And that's first to recognize the rebel and second, respond by creating a recovery plan. Three, reevaluate your plan. And fourth is to rebalance your relationships. I believe on taking a holistic approach when implementing these four steps. And that's why the show focuses on bringing on guest expert to help you create a blueprint to find the powerful you that's been hiding beneath the surface this whole time. And this will show you how to discover who you're truly meant to be. And make sure you go to myjoyagain.com for your free gift. My gift from um, for you guys to all my listeners out there. So with today's segment, the bucket list with the one fit widow, I wanted to ask you guys, are your dreams on a bucket list or are you actually living it? After losing her husband, Mitch, in 2009, Michelle Steinke Bobgard, also known as a one fit widow, turned to exercise as an outlet for grief and a way to handle her stress. She found it so powerful that she eventually quit her corporate job to become a fitness trainer. And since then, Michelle has been featured in Fitness Magazine, Shape Magazine, contributed to articles for Prevention Magazine, The Huffington Post, and countless other media outlets. So I want you guys to take good notes today and find out how she's been able to turn her tragedies into triumph by helping others live their dreams. And she does this as being an author, a speaker, as well as a fitness coach, and also a founder 
of a nonprofit, which we'll get into in today's segment. So let's bring on Michelle to our show this week. Welcome, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Yay, I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. I know you're busy with um, four kids now, which we'll get into the new dynamics of your life. But first, paint the picture on what was your life before your loss in 2009? Well, my life before loss was pretty amazing, and I didn't always appreciate it for being as amazing as it was. Um, I was a corporate VP for a wonderful destination club. Um, I had a phenomenal marriage with my best friend, Mitch. Uh, we had two really healthy kids. And as perfect as really life seemed to be, I was kind of miserable because I had forgotten about me. I kind of put myself at the bottom of the, the to-do list, as we like to say. And I was taking care of everyone and everything else before myself. So, you know, really the whole year of 2009 before my husband's crash, I was kind of in a state of um, rock bottom. And really mm-hmm. loathing and hating myself as much as I should have loved myself in my life. I just didn't. Wow. Wow. And did you realize this before, um, you know, dealing with your grief and loss that you were in this place of, you know, like you said, you neglected yourself because you were pouring so much into giving to other people? Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, it was, I think, about eight to ten weeks before the accident that took my husband. Um, I was actually in Cabo for work with my husband, and I had this very definitive rock-bottom moment. It was just like I woke up, and he wanted to go do something fun. We'd always been a real adventurous couple. We'd always lived really big, and he wanted to go. I think it was dune buggy racing, and I just wanted to crawl back into bed and cry. I was so sad, and, and again, I really didn't have any reason to be, um, but again, I had this this rock bottom moment where it's like, I can't live like this anymore. And what really hit me in that moment is this is all on me. Um, You know, you can have all the excuses in the world, but you have to wake up one day and say, look, the only person who has the ability to make this better is me. So Mm -hmm. I really um, owned it at that moment and said, okay, if if this is going to get better, it's going to all start with me. We went home from Cabo and a couple weeks later, I started a fitness regime and really very, very quickly saw my life turn on a dime. It was like the happiness returned, the self-love returned, um, the self-respect returned. Um, just everything really, really got better. My relationships, my time with my kids, everything was so improved up until, you know, obviously October 9th when my husband uh, was killed in a small plane crash. Mm, wow. Wow. So was it at that moment, was that the pivotal moment where you knew you had to change your life when you were having that moment in Cabo? Or was it finally like that last straw when grief struck with that yeah. adversity? Well, I think I, I really was committed in Cabo. I was really committed when I came back. I hit the fitness end of it pretty hard. I think I was down about 20 pounds when Mitch um, had his accident. But really what's ironic is every other time in my life when I started a fitness regime, and something happened. I joke all the time that I would stub my toe and I would quit. You know, it was like <laughs> anything to let myself off the hook, right? And yet when mm-hmm. this passed, I could feel everything in my being telling me, this is really important. Do not quit on your fitness. And I walked downstairs the next morning. My best friend was calling people to let them know what had happened. And I, had, I was in a weight loss challenge at the gym that I was working out at. And I said, call the gym. I'm not going to quit. And she kind of looked at me like I was nuts. But everything in my being, being was screaming, this is something you need right now. 
and I mm-hmm. stuck with it. Okay. Okay. Did you have a support network around you to encourage you uh, d- during those moments? Like you said, your old patterns would be like you found any excuse to just give up on, on your routine. But at this mm-hmm. pivotal moment, did you have like a workout buddy or a trainer? <laughs> yeah. So the, the gym that I was working out with had a really strong community uh, function to it. And I, didn't, I did have some very, very close friends. Um, in the neighborhood that I, you know, I was working out with and whatnot. But um, the community that my gym was associated with really helped to throw me that lifeline that I needed. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I found the community is key to success in a lot of things in life. And we, we truly don't have enough community. Right. And that's why I really want to emphasize on this segment is that you don't have to do this alone. And the real lifeline is finding a support network that will encourage and help you along your way. And there's and there's moments of despair where, like you said, you just feel like giving up. And when life throws you an added curveball and you're dealing with your own grief, it's so much easier to give up. Because I see some similarities in our situation when I lost my husband in 2009. I was already in that athletic avenue where both of us were working out at the gym and I was training for my fit uh, first fitness competition and when he passed I kind of gave up on it and then something like you said something within you said get back out there and do it this is something that you really need (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's amazing community is is one of the biggest things that I talk to people about because I just think we we don't have enough of it and we so desperately need it and not only do we need community but we need positive community I'm a big believer that we are the sum of the people we spend our time with so we can surround ourselves and why I do the work I do with one fit widow because I feel like there's so many grieving groups where it's it's not positive. And of course, there's nothing positive about grief, I guess. I mean, I think there are things in time that you find that are positive. But um, you do still need to be surrounded by people who are going to tell you that you need to take baby steps towards a new life and it's moving forward. And you need to um, surround yourself with as much positive energy as you can because there's plenty of negative out there. Right, right. And, that, and that's a good point that you bring on that a lot. Not all, but a lot of the grief-based group, it's almost like you're just there to um, be under the cloud of tears. And it's fine to address those emotions and recognize it, but you're really there to pull out out of it and move past your circumstance. Absolutely, yeah. I'm all for telling people... You know, be where you are. Don't you don't have to uh, pretend that everything's okay because it's not. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you do need to take those forward steps, even if it's just a shower one day. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do one small thing for myself today to move forward. Um, but again, if you surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up and move you in that forward direction, I think you and you take action. I think action is a big part of of going through the grieving process. So. So many times we don't take forward action and even going for a walk can have such a a positive connotation on the rest of your day. Now, I wanted to ask you something that you brought up uh, at the beginning of your story where you were saying you were feeling basically miserable when you're in this moment of hitting rock bottom when you're at this um, travel, when you're traveling to Cabo that, you know, you were able to recognize that you neglected yourself because you're pouring so much into your family and your friends and your relationship was all good, but it seems like you're misaligned out of uh, balance in nourishing yourself first. How do you feel about the term, um, the alpha mom, like having the alpha mom syndrome? (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> you know, I definitely, I see that as being so true. I mean, I think women especially have this desire to be to be super women and to do mm-hmm. everything for everyone. I mean, I'm still guilty of it today as much as I know where, you know, I run a nonprofit, I run a business, I have a lot of social media stuff going on, I have four kids now, uh, I have all these crazy things, and there's just days where I say, you know what, I can't do it all. There's just no way. And and the first thing on the list has to be me, because everything else deteriorates if it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I believe on taking, um, like you said, basically disciplining yourself to have those boundaries and priorities and really be you put you as a priority first because you you're serving those others and contributing in a better way once you stand you know in your truth first and then you can go do other things and do and have other things but the first priority is to be um, you so let's go ahead and take our first commercial break and when we come back with michelle i'll have her share more of her fitness journey your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Has life ever thrown you a curveball called challenges or maybe even a boulder called adversity? You are not alone. How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with Grace, Gratitude, Love, and Joy is about finding the gold in life's challenges. April J. Ford shares how tragedies from her past taught her the alchemy of adversity. Who we are inside and the way we handle the challenges we face is how we transition and transform into who we are truly meant to be. Pick up your copy today at www.feeljoyagain.com or by clicking on the link on the You Are Not Alone show page. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April J. Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is apriljford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. We are back. You've been listening to You Are Not Alone with my guest today, Michelle. She is also known as the One Fit Widow 
who found her courage and her power in quitting her corporate job to become a fitness trader. She's also an author, speaker, and founder of a nonprofit, which we'll get into today, the Live the List um, nonprofit. So, Michelle, tell us, you know, how did you find the courage to quit your corporate job to Mm -hmm. become a fitness trainer after losing your husband? Well, you know, it had been probably about 10 months since Mitch passed. And I knew, I knew pretty early on that it wasn't my passion. It wasn't what I, what I wanted to be doing with my time. I think, obviously, you know this, when you go through big loss, you have a whole new perspective on life, and you really mm-hmm. want your life to mean something. But, I, you know, I did what I was supposed to. You know, you kind of say to yourself, oh, I'm the silver breadwinner. I've got I've to do these things. There's expectations. And then I just woke up one day, and I said, no, I don't have to do anything. Um, I can change my life. I can make choices to go in a different direction. And it was topped off by the fact that I was getting on an airplane to go to Florida. I traveled quite a bit for my job. And my daughter looked at me and said, Mommy, please don't go. And I I couldn't do it anymore. And um, so I quit. And I ended up consulting with them for a short time. Uh, because they, they asked me to, and, and the money was good, and I thought, well, I'll do this for a short time, and my gut was just screaming at me, get out, get out, get out, and I finally said, I'm done, I'm not going to work for you guys anymore, I'm not going to consult, and then just a few weeks later, the company went bankrupt. So, oh, wow. Wow. I'm a big believer in listening to your gut and going in the direction that you're, you're feeling led to go into. Um, I made a lot of choices. I sold my big home, and I downsized a lot. Um, I sold a lot of things. I <laughs> You're like me. My, <laughs> you just had to changed, redo everything, changed, <laughs> starting with a clean slate. Yeah, I mean, I changed my view on what was necessary in my life. And I've never been a hugely materialistic person. However, I think when you get in that corporate job and, and you know, there's just expectations, you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, you end up go, kind of going, why, why do I need, you know, that $300 purse or, or whatever? Those things just didn't mean anything to me anymore. And so I made all those changes so that, so that I could be a $20 an hour gym trainer and be home with my kids. And people thought I was nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think same here. I think it goes back to what we talked about in the prior segment of the alpha mom syndrome. It, it's really, um, and I'm not knocking the, the term alpha mom because, yes, if we choose to engage in in having a role as a mother and being responsible and doing, um, you know, certain things with that role um, that we choose to, but it's a matter of first creating those boundaries and priorities and having the discipline to first um, be rather than just doing things and like you said it was more of your perspective change when when this adversity hit you're going through your grief and loss your perspective change and your lenses through life um you know hit the reset button on your life when you were downsizing and creating a new life for you and your kids yeah yeah well it's funny because in the days after mitch passed i really did a lot of deep soul searching because you know i was in so much horrific shock, uh, and I don't know how to explain the shock to people other than you, you'll never know until you know. I mean, it just, it's like you have out, out, out-of-body experience all the time for mm-hmm. forever. Um, I had it probably for six months, and I just did a lot of deep soul-searching, and, and I remember thinking to myself, what matters in my life? What truly matters? What did Mitch ever give me that mattered? And the only thing that I could ke- kept coming back to was memories. Um, you know, experiences, the things we did together. It was nothing we owned ever. And that was made my decision very easy. Wow. And that's when you decided, you know, 
the effects of your loss was basically pursuing your dreams for the future. Was that the, the, the moments, like you said, you were going through your soul searching moment of having this conversation with yourself that, okay, I'm yeah. going to leave my career and pursue <laughs> fitness as my passion? Yeah, it took me about 10 months to be strong enough to actually act on my impulses. But yes, no, it started right away. You know, fitness, again, was such a lifesaver for me. And everybody's got their thing. It doesn't have to be fitness. People do art. People do music. Mm -hmm. People do all kinds of things to help them cope with their grief. For me, it was absolutely fitness because I would get to the end of the, the, the part of the day where I could not go on as a solo parent anymore. I was just exhausted emotionally, physically, mentally, all those things. And I would go do my workout. And it would give me enough empowerment to make it through just one more day. You know, mm-hmm. it was that, it was that, I always t- tell people to find their fire. For me, that was how I found my fire day after day to keep surviving what I was going through. So I remember thinking very early on on a run that, gosh, this needs to be common knowledge. You know, why is, I mean, I know everyone knows fitness is good for you, but why is it always about how you look? Why isn't it about how you feel? Why isn't this prescribed to every grieving, stressed-out person in the world as, don't worry about the effects on how your, your body's going to be shaped. Worry about how this changes your mind and right, your thought right. process and all those things. And it was that powerful. So I thought, I'm going to spend the rest of my life convincing grieving people to exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and that's a key ingredient. I'm heavily a big believer, and that's why I stand firmly on taking a holistic approach, meaning taking your mind, body, and soul, as well as emotions when you're going through trauma, adversity, or a crisis. Because like you said, using exercise as an example, it not only benefits your physical body as, as just an end result, but it helps with your mind, it helps with your hormones, it helps with your emotions, and there's so much more than just the physical outcome. Right, right. Well, I had an officer come to me, and I tell the story all the time. He was the officer that came and gave me the news the night of Mitch's crash. And after the investigation part of our discussion was over, he pulled up a chair and got right in my face. And he said, Michelle, whatever you do, don't drink. You know, she said, live this, um, absorb it, you know, live through it. Don't numb it in any way and you'll be okay. And I really took that to heart. And mm-hmm. I found the only way I numbed my pain and it worked for me was exercise. And again, everyone's different. But for me, that was so critical that I didn't try and numb it. I lived through it and uh, it was difficult. And it still is on days, <laughs> but yeah, yeah she said it's a real lifesaver for me. Yeah, and and I like um, that person's message of not numbing the pain just to change your emotional state because I, I can say, although fitness and exercise worked for me, I took it, I would say, on the other end of the spectrum and went on the other side of the pendulum. I, I took it way to the extreme where I actually neglected some of my emotions and stress and just solely, mm-hmm. you know, focus on the physical aspects of training so I can um, win the competition. But in the end, I, I ha- it resurfaced. It resurfaced again, then it showed in my habits of eating and my nutrition and my sure. weight not only came back, it, it almost added more than what I started to begin with. Because like you said, I numbed some of those emotions and pain as opposed to just recognizing it. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you can absolutely take anything to an extreme and using it, use it as a numbing effect. I mean, I know for me, I ran a marathon about eight months after um, Mitch passed. I wrote a blog about how I was running from grief. I felt like up until that point, you know, it was, I was running from it all the time, you know, and I had to finally, at the end of the marathon, I had to face it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very powerful. 
Very powerful. So tell us, what was your biggest motivation to go on? So I find that a lot of people, you know, find their passion, find their love, find their dream, but it's the persistence that they need to continue, um, you know, to continue to move forward and take each baby step along the way because it's still going to, you know, life is still going to deal you some obstacles and, and setbacks. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It, just because it's your passion doesn't mean that the path in front of you is going to be easy breezy. But what was your biggest motivation to continue on that path? My kids. <laughs> yeah. My answer is always my answer is always my kids. Um, they are they're my everything, and I really wanted them to see me live, and I wanted them to see that adversity is going to happen in their life and in every life. And we have to make a choice to continue day in and day out and live our best life. And um, also my other, my other big contributing factor is Mitch. I mean, he just, you know, those who didn't know him didn't understand how much he loved life. He was just bigger than life himself and very, very self-actualized man. He was always living in the moment, very, very present, never wanted for more, never thought about the past. And so I want my kids to know who he was, and the best way I can, I can do that is to show them by how I live my life. And I think by living my life the way I do, I really honor him the best way I can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, it sounds like Mitch and my late husband were probably like soul brothers <laughs> because he, he modeled that too. And he would always tell me in the moments when I would be a, a stressful wife or mother trying to, you know, be, do, and have it all. He's like, stop worrying. You're worrying too much. <laughs> Well, it's funny because, you know, from the, I was with Mitch for 15 years, and I was always a very driven type A overachieving mm-hmm. personality, and Mitch was very smart, very good at everything he did, but he just really wasn't all that driven, and I, I would ding him for it a lot in a relationship. I would give him a hard time, look, you know, where are we going to be in five years? What do we want? What do we want to accomplish? And he'd always just answer with, live in the moment. We don't know that five <laughs> years is going to come. Yeah. And so I spent... 15 years thinking that I was put in his life to teach him something. I was put in his life to make him more driven. And when he died, I realized he was put in my life to teach me something. Mm -hmm. And that was to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. And what about your kids? How were you as a single parent? How were you able to help them in their grieving? How old were your kids, by the way, when this happened? My daughter was two weeks from turning three and my son was 13 months. Oh, a little baby, 13 months. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, they were babies. So, you know, obviously my son had no clue. Um, My daughter, I sat down and told her what happened, and she let out a scream, and then she ran off and played. Uh, Kids Mm -hmm. process grief very, very, very differently than adults. And and it's funny because a counselor once told me, kids don't get stuck unless you stick them. And that was really powerful for me because Mm -hmm. I think at the time I was quite guilty of sticking my kids. And so how I've helped them process is, again, we live in the moment. Um, If they want to talk about Mitch, I will talk about him as much as they want and happily. And when they walk away, I know they're done. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. they have, you know, my daughter especially has very, very sad days and moments. And I hug her and I tell her it's okay. And, of course, we're going to feel this way and it's okay to be sad and grieve. And then I remind her that it's okay to live as well. And um, we go forward. You know, we take it day by day. They're nine and seven now. They're awesome. (laughs) But um, it's it's just a day by day thing that we do you know it's part of who we are unfortunately it's part of what we we live with and some days it's 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 um it's easy and some days it's not right 
Okay, and let's um, end with that, and we'll come back more with the stages of grief. So stay tuned, and we'll see you guys after the break. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Has life ever thrown you a curveball called challenges? Or maybe even a boulder called adversity? You are not alone. How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with Grace, Gratitude, Love, and Joy is about finding the gold in life's challenges. April J. Ford shares how tragedies from her past taught her the alchemy of adversity. Who we are inside and the way we handle the challenges we face is how we transition and transform into who we are truly meant to be. Pick up your copy today at www.feeljoyagain.com or by clicking on the link on the You Are Not Alone show page. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home, and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April J. Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call in to 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is apriljford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. We are back, and you've been listening to this week's episode, The Bucket List with the One Fit Widow, with my guest, Michelle Steinke Baumgart. She's also a an author, speaker, fitness coach, and founder of a nonprofit, Live the List Nonprofit. So in this segment, I wanted to ask Michelle, you know, how was she able to cope with the five cycles of grief? The five cycles would be first denial, then anger, then progressing on to depression, and then bargaining, and finally the acceptance stage. So, Michelle, can you share your experience? I know each and everybody has their own timeline and how we move from, you know, one, two to three, then back to one, and finally, you know, the acceptance um, circle. How was your experience? (laughs) Well, truth be told, I really don't prescribe much to the five cycles of grief for myself personally. I, I just feel... You know, like you said, we go in and out of all of these things, mm-hmm. and there's no one linear, perfect uh, set of stages. Um, you know, I found myself bargaining day one. You know, it's like, okay, well, if I if I trade in the five people on the news right now, but <laughs> 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 so no business, you know, gracing this earth and my in trading them for mints, is that a, you know that kind of a thing? I mean, that was happening within hours. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and anger. I mean, I, I think you know, there's stages of anger. Gosh, for I mean. Still, for me, I have days where it's like I take it out at the gym and it's like I'm still pissed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know that we have a, a perfect set of five. And I don't. I do think we come to acceptance, absolutely. Um, but I think even with an acceptance, you're going to have moments and slip back. And, and I think it's such a tsunami. You know, people have called it a tsunami, an earthquake. You can be absolutely fine, and then out of nowhere, here comes this wave, and it takes you out. And um, I, it, that goes on for quite quite some time. And again, especially with my young kids, it it, it rears its head more than I think it would um, otherwise. Because if my daughter has a bad day, it certainly it certainly takes me down for a while as well. Yeah, yeah, and you brought up a good point. Um, you described it as like a tsunami out of nowhere, and I described it as um, the aftershocks, like with an earthquake. Sometimes it's yeah, the aftershocks yeah. that really create um, the most havoc and and you know trauma and danger and destruction, as opposed to the actual earthquake that started it all. Right. Yeah, and and I really think. Especially in the Western culture, we have this ideal of you come to acceptance and it's over. You know, right, people think, right. "Oh, you've moved forward. You're remarried, or or you're dating someone, or you're or you're just happy. You're you're smiling all the time, so you must be fine." Um, and I think until people have experienced the loss of someone they deeply love, that's very close to them, they can't possibly understand. People are not replaceable. Love is not mutually exclusive. You can you will forever love the person who passed. It doesn't mean you can't love other people. There's other relationships that come into your life. But that person will always be with you and, and it shaped who you are and you will you will always carry that grief with you to some extent. Mm-hmm. Now tell us about the new dynamics of your life now since you brought on um, relationships. <laughs> Well, I was actually remarried in 2014. My husband, Keith, uh, is phenomenal, amazing guy, and uh, we share, you know, a a really interesting story. His best friend, Brandon, was killed in a plane crash just a couple of years before Mitch, and so we have, um, you know, unfortunately, we have that in common, and um, Mm -hmm. he's also a fitness trainer, uh, has a big passion for helping people with fitness. So, you know, we kind of feel like we've been brought together to do some, some really, hopefully, amazing things, and he's been a really big blessing in my life. Wow. Wow. What an amazing story. And and yeah. are you guys a blended family now? You know, you have two kids of your own and does he have kids too? Yeah, no, he has two kids. So we have a 10, 9, 9 and 7 year old. So oh, wow. we have a, we have a very busy life. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you, how are you managing the family dynamics now knowing, like you said, Mitch left you with a lot of role modeling and it was more of a lesson for you to reflect on the meaning and purpose and fulfillment of life. How has that changed your marriage now? <laughs> well, again, luckily I have a very understanding guy in my life. Um, it, it definitely, it definitely changes the dynamic. I think anytime you try and blend a family, it's, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, but you know, Keith and I are very much on the same page with most things, and that really helps. He certainly understands why I do what I do, and he really likens everything we do, um, you know, with Live the List, our own profit and whatnot, to what he had in his relationship with Brandon. And so he has his own reasons for wanting to do it as well. It's not just all about me and what I'm trying to do for Mitch. He's trying to do it as well for Brandon. And we're just trying to raise awareness for people to live their best life together. But it's definitely a challenging um, dynamic. And um, the kids are honestly doing really, really well, um, given the closeness and age and, and yeah, the blending. Yeah. They're, they're really done very well. Great. That's great to hear. I'm happy for you. Now, you mentioned your nonprofit. It is Live the List. Tell our listeners more about that and what is the mission of Live the List? 
Well, within a couple of weeks of Mitch passing, I sat down and I wrote out his bucket list. We had, like I said early on in the show, a really adventurous life together. We had done a lot of great things. And there was a lot of things he wanted to do, and there's a lot of things he wanted our kids to do. And my first instincts when he passed were, that, you know, they're done. I'm not going to be able to do these things by myself. And after I got some bravery back in my life a few weeks later, I wrote his list, and I said, I'm going to do all of these, and I'm going to do them um, in honor of him and to show our kids who he was. Mm-hmm. So on the anniversary of his death every year, I do something off of his bucket list. I've... Um, I've hiked 14 or Colorado, 14,000 foot mountains in Colorado. I've um, hiked in the Pali Coast and kayaked in the Pali Coast. All these really bold, adventurous, brave things. Well, it got me thinking. These moments that are so hard for people, you know, the day of, the day that's happened, a lot of times people, they hole up in their home and they're sad and they're depressed. And, and I thought, what if we can encourage people to go out and live? in honor of their person instead of, of, of removing themselves from life. And a lot of people can't afford to do the things that I'm blessed to be able to do. So what if mm-hmm. we had a nonprofit that would help them? Of course, not everyone wants to go hike, you know, Ka'ala Trail in Kauai. Um, <laughs> some people just want a gym membership <laughs> so that yeah. they can move forward with their life. Some people just want to, uh, we had one woman, she just wanted to spread her husband's ashes and she couldn't afford to go back where he wanted them spread. And it was really holding her back from moving forward with her life because when you have these things that you felt are left undone and you can't afford to do them, you feel stuck. Yeah. So we wanted to give people yeah. an outlet to feel unstuck. And uh-huh. so we fund bucket lists for just needs of widows and widowers um, so that they can move forward with their life through our Live the List nonprofit. Wow. Wow. So it's, oh, it's for both the widow and widowers, for both men and yes. women. And share with us a little bit more of what's on people's bucket list. <laughs> well, we have a wonderful woman um, who we recently sponsored, and her husband had always wanted to uh, become scuba certified. And he unfortunately passed before he had the chance. So she's becoming uh, scuba certified in his honor, and, and we're helping to fund that for her. Um, we've made memory beads for people. Um, we had a woman whose husband was in the service, and he passed away before his child was born. She wanted professional photos done where they superimposed his image in, and, oh. and they found a phenomenal mm-hmm. photographer and did it very tastefully and beautifully, and, and she's got these photos where he's superimposed in with a child, and we, we paid for those. So it's just things to help people... Um, like I said, move forward with their life. Some are big. We, we sent one woman on a vacation with her child because she has, she works a couple of jobs and couldn't afford to do it. So just giving her that chance to just take a deep breath and, and relax for a couple of days when mm-hmm. she hadn't had the chance since her husband passed. Wow. Wow. Now, how would somebody go through the process, like you said, of how do you guys select uh, for somebody to be sponsored? Can you explain well, that process when they want to sure, work they, with you? They can just go to our website, which is livethelistnonprofit.org, and then there's an application process with on, within the website. They fill out the application, and then we have someone on our team who vets it. We make sure that the, the person is indeed a widower, widower, and um, because we have had a, you know, a few people apply who aren't, so we, we try to do our best to vet that. And, um, and then we select... We try to we try to actually fund everything. We really do. <laughs> wow. And so far, so far, we're really doing well. I mean, I think we're we're fairly caught up with funding um, as many as come in. So we're doing our best. 
Wow. So it's almost like um, the model of make the wish where you're granting the wish. But here, it's like you said, you're honoring that memory by completing that wish that their loved ones never, you know, got to finish. And I think that's a cool yeah, concept. I always say it's like make a wish for the surviving partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that they're able to, like you said, feel unstuck and really move forward with um, positive progression in their life. Yeah, I mean, we're really hoping it causes a ripple effect. You know, I've found that by living the way I do and being positive, it causes a ripple effect. You know, it it, it not only affects my children and the people immediately in my life, but now that I put it out there on social media, it affects other people and their children, and then they're affecting people, and it's just causing this positive ripple. And if we can give someone a chance to become unstuck, and, you know, it's causing a positive ripple in the people in their lives, it's, it's helping you know, it's helping so many people. Right. Or also on the other side of that coin is really to empower people that, you know, like, it's like creating a ripple effect. You don't have to wait to be a widow or a widower to live your life. Start thinking now and reflect on what really matters the most in your life. You know, if today yeah. was your last day, would you look back on your life and be happy with it? What are the things that you did do or didn't get to do or who did you have the conversation with the people that you um, impacted you know nobody said you have to become a widow or widower to go through this process of like you said living life yeah absolutely yeah and I found that so many people that follow me on social media they aren't they aren't widow they aren't grieving necessarily I think we're all grieving something in life I think we're all completely stressed by something in life Mm -hmm. And hopefully my message resonates on a larger scale, that it is just about living your best life now and um, choosing happiness, choosing joy, and choosing steps forward, no, no matter what you're going through. Okay. And with that note, let's go ahead and take our break and more with Michelle when we come back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Has life ever thrown you a curveball called challenges? Or maybe even a boulder called adversity? You are not alone. How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with Grace, Gratitude, Love, and Joy is about finding the gold in life's challenges. April J. Ford shares how tragedies from her past taught her the alchemy of adversity. Who we are inside and the way we handle the challenges we face is how we transition and transform into who we are truly meant to be. Pick up your copy today at www.feeljoyagain.com or by clicking on the link on the You Are Not Alone show page. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home, and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. 
To reach April J. Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. And we have Michelle with us today, the One Fit Widow who started the nonprofit Live the List organization, basically focusing on helping widows and widowers complete their bucket list of dreams to honor their late spouse while moving boldly into their future. And she shared some of the stories on some of the people that they've been able to fund and help um, create those memories and experiences in honor of their late loved ones. So, Michelle, going back to... Um, the grief topic, if somebody is trying to um, just show their support to somebody going through grief, um, maybe it's a friend or a family member, what advice would you give them? Because I found that people have, you know, the right and good intentions, but sometimes they don't necessarily execute it in the most um, sensible manner when we're, um, you know, grieving. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have so many tips in that department. We could do a whole other hour on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think just some of the, the most important things for me personally, and again, I don't, I only ever speak for myself, but I've found that um, I, I think I speak for a lot of people because I think a lot of people have the same experiences. Um, run to the person. Uh, I think so many times, and I was guilty of this before I lost Mitch, I would say, oh, they need their space. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave them alone. They need, they need their space. No, they don't need their space. They need you to run to them, and they need you to hug them. Um, let them talk about the person who passed ad nauseum. I mean, to the point where you're, like, uncomfortable. Because just because my husband passed away doesn't mean that, you know, my life turned on a dime. It doesn't mean that I stopped feeling married. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean I stopped loving him or, or, or planning my future with him. All of that stuff did end, but it takes time to come to that realization and that acceptance, like you said earlier. So let them talk about the person. And, um, and again, not every widow and widower or grieving person is okay with that, but I think uh, by and large, a large amount of people are. Um, it, made me, it made me happy. It's like, you know, talk about him. He's my favorite person on the face of the earth. Let's talk about him. Um, you know, be there for them after everyone else has gone home. I think it's a big one. Oh, um, I remember the yeah, I remember the officer saying to me, Michelle, people are going to come to you and say, what can I do for you? Tell them to come back in a year when you really need them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's huge because people are there for you for those first two, three, four weeks, and then they expect you to just kind of be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, do for them. Don't ask them what they need because you're so exhausted. You're so mentally drained. You're so um, emotionally drained. The last thing you need to do is answer, what can I do for you? Just yeah, do something you don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Yeah. I, I think that just was one, one of my pet peeves. Take them out to a movie. Mm-hmm. What was mm-hmm. that, April? Oh, I was just saying that was one of my pet peeves when people always said, "Well, let me know what I can do for you." And it's like, "Well, I don't even know what I need my at name. this moment, or I don't even know what to ask for." <laughs> yeah, no, just do for them. Just literally. I mean, I had a friend who said, "Bring your kids over right now and go get a pedicure." And I think I was three weeks out, and I, I did. I took my kids over, and I went and um, got a pedicure, which felt like the most selfish, awful thing, but I needed it. I needed to just be by myself. I mean, it's hard to grieve as a parent. And then I went home, and I cried. 
You know, I, I think I lay in bed and cried. And um, just the fact that she gave me that gift of taking my kids for a couple of hours was huge for me. And um, so just do for them is a really, really big one. I mean, like I said, I could go on and on and on. There's so many things that are, are common misconceptions that people don't understand. Don't judge the process. I mean, I think we expect grief to look one way. Well, heck, I didn't cry for weeks. I was like a stoic. I was joking. I was the... Um, that I turn into the ice princess. I mean, I just didn't mm. feel anything. So don't judge that I didn't love my husband because I'm not crying. You don't know what grief looks like until you experience it. And everybody looks different when they're grieving. So don't judge that process and expect them to be somewhere they're not. Just let them be where they are. Mm-hmm. Now, were there certain things that you particularly preferred not to hear? Like I said, sometimes people have the best intentions to try to comfort you with their words, but were, were there certain yeah. phrases that you didn't really like? Oh, yeah. He's in a better place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, he's better places with his kids and his wife here on earth. Yeah, no, I had, I had, that was like nails on the chalkboard for me. Um, Oh, I have a whole list of them, and now now that we're talking, I'm not going to be able to think of them. But the really big one for me is he's in a better place. Um, oh gosh, I had I had a dear friend tell me, "You're young, you're beautiful, you'll find someone else." Ooh, or yeah. time? Did you hear the time one? Like time will heal, kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, time heals all wounds. Everything happens for a reason. There's a good one. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to hear these things, and. and and I think people just don't know what to say, so they say the first thing that comes, you know, that comes to their mind. Really, when people come to me now, and I, and I get emails daily, Michelle, you know, I have a, a friend who just lost somebody. What do I say? Mm-hmm. And I will tell them, just go and be with them. Let, them. let them cry. Let them talk to you about the person they lost. Hug them. Tell them, you know what, this sucks, and this is crap. And that's, a, you know, and just and just let them say whatever they want to say back because you tend to lose a filter when you lose somebody you love and, and some crazy things come out of your mouth. Let them say it and don't judge it. Right, right. And oftentimes, like you said, it's about people think it's something that they have to say when it's really what you can just do to be in that moment. Even if it's just listening, you don't have to be the expert on grief and loss, but just showing right. your actions, like with your friend, instead of just bring the kids over you know, or bring them dinner. You didn't ask for dinner, but for you just extending um, that help. And I think a good point for people to realize that when somebody's going through grief, we're not really in the moment where we're using that part of our brain where we're thinking rationally because we're, we're, we're in that moment of emotion. Like when somebody tells you, oh, everything happens for a good reason. Well, my brain is not really reasoning right now. <laughs> Right, right. Well, and I have people tell me, um, I had somebody say to me that they wanted the old Michelle back. And that was one of the most hurtful things I, I could have heard. Because the old Michelle died when Mitch died. And everything about me changed. I mean, and in a lot of ways for the better, honestly. I mean, I really feel like grief made me a better person in so many ways. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know that right away. <laughs> right, but to right. Say, to say I want the old Michelle back, you know, that was a cruel thing for me because the old Michelle was gone forever. And I think people who haven't been through heavy grief don't understand how much you change as a human being when you go through it. And um, to say you want what was there before back is, is, is just not necessary to be said. Yeah. And I think the right thing to say is, you know, I love the old Michelle, but I now love and honor the new Michelle. I mean, I completely 
um, stand, stand for you that, and I respect your stance. So in closing, Michelle, what would you like to leave our guests with the last piece of advice or to keep up with you on your work? Where can they go? You know, my biggest advice for people, and I talk about this daily on my social media, is just take baby steps every single day. You know, I'll have people email me, how did you get where you are? Well, millions and millions and millions of baby steps over the last six years is how I got where I am Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And it's not perfect, and it's not always pretty. I have bad days, just like everybody else. But at the end of the day, I take away as much positive as I can. Um, life, my dad used to teach me when I was a little girl. He always used to say to M. Scott Peck, quote, life is difficult. And I've always kept that with me. I don't think any of us get off of this planet without going through difficulties in life. So we can't play the victim all the time. We have to take baby steps forward. Again, you're allowed your bad days. Absolutely. You're allowed your timing on everything. But, but take baby steps, positive baby steps forward every single day. Ask yourself, what did I do to bring my life to a new place tomorrow? Um, at the end of the day. And then to keep up with my work, um, again, my nonprofit, livethelistnonprofit.org. You can go apply for sponsorship, donations. If you just want to find out more, you can go to that website. And then um, I do have a virtual personal training company. I work with thousands of people around the world. Um, We work on not giving people their best body, although we do have phenomenal results with um, fat loss and, and whatnot. But it's more about living your best life. We want right. we want mm-hmm. people to use fitness as a catalyst for their best life. So that's one, the number one, fwtraining.com. All righty. All righty, everyone. I hope you guys had, you know, a great time in this segment with Michelle and really took good notes on the wisdom that she's been able to share with us in her process and transforming her grief to where she is today. Again, I'm your host, April Joy Ford, here in Voice America. You are not alone. And I share my story and this show so that others can share their stories and have their glory so that others don't have to experience the extremities of what I face, but would be able to take the fruit of my adversities and prosper with it. I give my permission to allow people to borrow my belief and faith and I give my love and light so that others can illuminate theirs. I share my joys and blessings so that others can share theirs and let others know you are not alone and make sure you go to myjoyagain.com to receive your free gift of you are not alone. So I'll see you guys next week. We appreciate your joining us this week for You Are Not Alone. Please tune in for another edition with host April J. Ford next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.